And those same people were baptized into Christ. They were a part of our youth ministries and our junior high ministries and our college ministries. Those people studied the same studies you study. Did they understand the commitment they were making, do you think? Do the studies leave any room for error there? When you study what discipleship is, when you studied counting the cost, did you understand the commitment you were making? Do you think those people didn't understand the commitment they were making? You know, those people went on retreats. They went to church camps. They went to the refocus retreat. And they went to family vacation. Some of you, for the rest of those kids' lives, will be exactly what these kids described. And for that, I'm eternally grateful for you. I'm eternally grateful for Danny Langford. Because Danny Langford is a man of commitment. And no matter how bad things have gotten, Danny's never bailed on God. And Danny's never bailed on me. And all of you this weekend need to get serious about whether or not you're going to be committed. Because let me tell you something, it's a lot easier for you to bail on God now and bail on your brothers and sisters now and all those kids who are watching you than it is to let them develop a deep relationship with you and see you step out on God because that does two things to them. It breaks their heart and it shakes their faith. Because they thought you were committed to God and they just don't understand that God wasn't the problem sometimes and that they weren't the problem sometimes. The problem was those people weren't committed to God. And the sad reality is that while some of you will be these people, many of you will be the others. Many of you will be the others. And my kids and those kids will go up to their mom and dad on cross chat nights and on Sunday mornings and say, what happened to fill in the blank? And those mom and dads will have to have a conversation with them about how following God is really hard sometimes and we don't understand why that happens, but sometimes people make the decision not to stay committed to what they committed their lives to. It's like talking to your kid about getting a divorce almost. It's heartbreaking. And I hope that right now I have your attention. Not because I want it, but because God is trying to get your attention. And you need to make a decision about what you're going to do with this weekend. What you're gonna, are you going to be an authentic person who is committed to Christ, committed to his kingdom, committed to his people, and all of those things that you studied about, all those things you learned this weekend, are you really going to commit your life to those things? Or are you going to bail? See, being committed to God is a very difficult thing sometimes. I want to read a passage to you real quick before we get into the lesson session, though. Luke 17, 1 through 3, Jesus said to his disciples... Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to any through who they come. 
It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Examine ourselves. Watch ourselves. That's what you're here to do this weekend, and I hope that's what you're going to do tonight. You have to ask yourself, do you want to go home and be different? Do you want... You, do you really want God to work through you? Do you really honestly want that to happen? Because Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And I think sometimes we wonder why God is not acting on the behalf of our ministries. Why is the, why is the high school ministry, why do we look and we're like, man, we got all these incredibly like, talented kids, these good-looking kids. We got every kind of kid. We got the gamers, we got the nerds, the geeks, the football players, the basketballers. We got all these people. Man, why are we not having a, a greater impact I think it's because of a lack of commitment to Christ. And I think it shows up in your lives, on your campuses, and people look when you ask them to come to Cross Chat, and they say, yeah, I might come, and they may even show up, and then behind your backs, they snicker and laugh. In the campus ministries, sometimes we have people who, are committed, who say they're committed to God, but we're not being more effective because we're, we're just really not committed to the way of the Lord. Yeah, we've said we're committed to him, but when it comes to actually doing what he says, being obedient to scripture, when it comes to actually being committed to his people the way that he says we would be if we're actually following him, because the Bible says those two things are very directly connected, we don't do that. But the Bible says commit your ways to the Lord and he will act on your behalf. Do we want to be student ministries that God is acting on the behalf of? Do you? Really? Because if we commit our ways to him and do what he asks us to do, the Bible says that we can trust in him and he will act. The problem is commitment is just very difficult. It's hard. You guys know this. Day in and day out, it's a decision that you have to make every time you wake up to die to yourself to say, I remember what I committed to and I am going to live my life in the way that I promised God and I promised his, his people that I would live. Every single day, you have to make that determination. Dying to yourself daily is how the Bible puts it, right? And some of you look and you're like, ah, oh, man, being a Christian is easy. You got that screwed up. Let me tell you something. Let me, quote, let me put up a picture where I'm going to quote one of, my, one of my new inspirations, Ted Lasso. Total commitment is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. See, riding a horse, if you've ever done it before, no matter how you sit, it isn't comfy. It's not a comfortable ride. And being a Christian and being totally committed isn't a comfortable ride. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm doing good. And you're real comfortable right where you're at. But if you're real comfortable, then you're probably not really committed. Because God never allows us to settle into this idea that, oh, yeah, being a Christian should always make me feel warm and fuzzy. That's not way it works. That's not the reality of life, and that's not the reality of discipleship. That's not the reality of any committed relationship that we're in. It is a difficult, hard thing to be committed to God. Luke 9, 57 through 62 says this, as Jesus and his disciples traveled along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. You know, sometimes we make bold proclamations, don't we? 
Man, I, yeah, I'll, I'll do that any day. I'm, ne- I'm never backing down from that. I'm never going to get involved in this again. I'm never going to put myself in that situation. God, I'm going to do whatever you say. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus looks him in the eye and says, well, foxes have dens and the birds in the sky have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. And then Jesus said to someone else, follow me. And he replied, Lord, but first let me go and bury my father. See, this tends to be a lot like us as well. Yeah, I'm going to follow you, God, but first let me, and you fill in the blank. Let me do what I want. Let me, let me, let me, let me go handle my stuff, and then I'll come and I'll do this, God. I will follow you eventually. And Jesus said, let the, bed, the dead bury their own dead. But you go to spread the good news of the kingdom. Someone else said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those in my house. And Jesus said to him, no one puts that puts a hand on the plow and looks, and looks back is fit for service in God's kingdom. And that's so us sometimes. Most of you in here have made a commitment to God. You said, I want, I want to die to myself and I'm going to be raised anew in Christ. And I'm going to follow him. And you knew what that entailed, but now you're like, oh, God, but I know I said to do that, but hold on. Let me take care of this part of my life. Let me deal with this. Let me deal with that. And God's going, you had your hand on the plow. Why are you looking backwards now? Why are you jumping off of this, this commitment that you made to do something else? It's a difficult thing. Jesus understood that being committed was difficult. He has lots of times where he tells people, hey, before you start this, you, you better make sure you got what it takes to finish it. You want to build a house, right? Isn't that what he says? Before you build a house, what do you do? You make sure you got the money to finish it because if you don't, you look like a fool to everyone who's like, look at that dude. He started to build a house and he ain't finished it. You want to go to war and fight somebody? You better make sure you got enough troops to win that battle. You better count the cost first before you do it. You all counted the cost already. You made that decision. Almost all of you have made that decision to follow Christ already. Is your hand still on the plow? Being committed to Christ for a lifetime is hard. Well, why is it so hard? Why is that so difficult? What keeps me from being someone who's committed to God. You see, I think there's a few things. First of all, sometimes it can just be resentment towards God. It's funny because we're kind of like, we're a lot like children. So we'll do something really stupid, right, as children, and then we get mad at our parents for whatever we did, like they did something wrong. Well, in in Proverbs 19.3, it says, people's own foolishness ruins their lives, but in their minds, they blame the Lord. Sometimes it's, it's hard to commit to God because we look at your life and you're like, man, I just don't get it. I, if God, I know I said I would commit my life to God, but he's not fulfilling his end of the bargain. And we start justifying the fact that we lack commitment because we don't feel like God is following through on what we feel like he should. And he's going, I can't give you these things that you want because you're not committed to me in the first place. But we want to blame him and we become resentful to him because we're not getting exactly what we want. And so rather than committing to him and going full born to this relationship with him, we take a hand off the plow and we're like, God, I've got one hand on this plow. Now I can take the other hand off. Are you going to give me what I want? And God's like, you don't understand commitment. 
But sometimes it's being committed to him is hard because we've grown resentful over things that weren't even God's fault in the first place. Why don't I got a man? I should have a man. I go to church. I go to Crosschat. Why can't I find a woman? God, this is your fault. Why did you put this rule in place that we should only date other followers of you? That, I mean, that's what you say in, in 2 Corinthians 6.14. I know what it says. This is you, God. This is on you. And God's going, why would I bless you with a great godly man or woman with the half-hearted commitment that you have? So you can screw them up too? Make sure that maybe the two of you can make one wholly committed person? Is that what you're thinking? It's easy to grow resentful of God and be upset with him when it's not his problem, but it is our own foolishness that hurts and ruins our lives. Another thing that keeps us from fully committing is just general, general distractions in culture. It's all that stuff around us. Mark 4.19, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and the lure of nice things come in, and guess what they do? They crowd out God. Yeah, God, I'm committed to you, but I'm also committed. I got I to gotta make sure that, you know, I, I know I said I was going to do this, but this other thing is more important right now. I've got to make this happen. I mean, you're not making it happen. I'm going to make it happen right now, and God, I'll, I'll circle back around to you. And in each and every one of your lives, you have that thing that tempts you that is trying to push God out. What is it? What is it in your life? Some of you, it's a job. Some of you, it's school. Some of it's a sport. Some of it is trying to find that man, that woman. Some of you, it's money. I don't know what it is for you. None of those things are bad in and of themselves, are they? No, but whenever they start distracting us from our commitment to God, that's when they become a problem. That's when they become an issue. All of these things are, are pushing against your commitment level for God. They're all taking and draining and pulling and we've got to figure out how to be the kind of people who, if we're going to stick around, we're going to live authentic, wholeheartedly committed lives to God. Some of that stuff's just got to go all together. If you can't prioritize it, get rid of it. Because it's a danger to your relationship with God. Ecclesiastes 7.4 says, a fool thinks only about having a good time. Sometimes it's just that idea of, you know, that cultural idea, I should be able to please me, I should be able to have a good time whenever I want. And that's all we think about is having a good time. Some of your commitment to God, you show up to church, show up to youth group, you show up to retreats, but you come here because you want to have a good time, not of your commitment to God. And so you never grow deeper and you never grow effective because really it's not about that commitment, it's about the enjoyment that you have that you get from being at things like this sometimes. So many things fight to push it out. A desire for independence. This is one of the biggest ones. I want, I want what I want, and I want to be in control of my life. And whenever that is the attitude that you have, guess what? There's no room for God to have control. While Miss Independent might be a cool song, it's a terrible attitude to take into your relationship with Christ. Proverbs 10.8 says the self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. We have this desire that I want to be self-sufficient. I, I want to be an independent man. I want to be an independent woman, and I don't want to have to worry. About, I want to do whatever I want to do. Well, then, you shouldn't have made the commitment you made when you counted the cost then. 
I read a quote from Rick Warren that said this, and I'm going to change a little part of it. He says, can you imagine getting to heaven? And God goes, did you fulfill my purpose for your life? No, I did it my way. Like your usher, right? <laughs> and God goes, huh? Let me get this straight. I, God, the creator of the universe, put you on earth for a reason and for a purpose. I had a plan for your life, and you didn't think it was good enough. So instead of doing my purpose for your life and committing to my way, you did it your way. <laughs> what were you thinking? And then he says, somebody ought to write a song, a Christian song called I Did It Yahweh. All right, a little bad dad humor there, right? God, I did it my way, and he's going to go, what were you thinking that you thought God's plan and God's purpose, the one who made you and put you on this earth for a reason, wasn't good enough for you? And you said, I don't think I'll do it God's way. I'll do it my way. What a major mistake, folks. It's a waste of your life to go through your life ignoring what God had made you for. And like I told you before, there are going to be some of you who God's going to look at and be like, right? And he's going to, you're, you're going to be like, yes, all right, I know I did it God's way. And you will have changed people's lives. You will have changed people's eternities. Little kids will have a relationship with God because of the, the passion and the fire and the commitment they saw in you. But some of you, God's going to go, what were you thinking? Man, not only did you wreck your relationship with God, I had, it, I had a desire for you to help this person and that person. And man, those little kids at church that looked up to you so much, man, you crashed their faith. Now they're doing whatever they want, not listening to God. They're not committed to me at all, and you're going to have to answer for it. And that's the truth of the matter. It's a sad thing. The fourth and final thing that I look at that we're going to talk about tonight, anyway, there's lots more, that keep us from committing our lives is fear of commitment. Some of you get that better than others, right? Fear of commitment. Drew Trowball, you get that one, right, guys? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where are you at, Drew? Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> is there a girl in here who hasn't dated Drew? Um, so let's... Uh... <laughs> so anyway, I mean, you got the pick of the litter, dude. Come on, get it together back there. So, <laughs> but... Fear of commitment doesn't only play out, right? Fear of commitment doesn't only play out in our dating relationships, right? Right? No. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you are never going to get anything done. Some of you are so afraid to commit because you are just waiting for the perfect thing. You want every little piece to fall in line. Yeah, God, I'll fully commit to you when this and this and this and that happens. I'll fully commit to you when that happens. And let me tell you, sometimes it doesn't work the way you want it to. I know that because I've had friends who knew what God wanted, made the same commitment that you made, walked away from God, and they would say things like, oh, when I get older and when I have a family, and they keep putting it off, waiting for the perfect conditions to fall in line, where they'll finally be comfortable enough to commit to what they said they were committing to in the first place, and then they died lost. And even if they didn't die lost, they missed out on so much. 
Man, I miss my friend James all the time. What I miss more than anything about my brother James being gone, I, I thank God that at the end of his life, he turned it around and repented and came back to God and was coming to church. But man, we miss so many good years. We miss so much good stuff. But he just kept waiting for things to fall in line. Okay, no, I know what the Bible says about coming to church and living the way that I'm living. I'll get, it, I'll get there eventually. And I said, well, I'm going to pray whatever God has to do to knock you on your butt to wake you up to the fact that it isn't about when you want to come to God. He wants you now. And then he gets cancer. Talk about a guilt trip you feel. But man, we missed so much stuff while he was waiting for everything to fall in line the way that he wanted it to. What are you going to miss out on? Because you're so afraid of actually committing to God. Because you think all this stupid crap that you're investing in, all these worthless relationships, all this sexual crap you're getting yourself involved in is going to fulfill you and that someday I'll come back to God and God's going, you've got this so messed up, you don't get it at all. What are you waiting for? It's not going to fall in line perfectly. Stop being so afraid of committing to God and trust the fact that he's got it under control. Proverbs 9, 6 says it like this. Leave behind your foolishness and begin to live. He's like, you're not even living right now because you're not really committed to me. You don't even understand how good life can be when you actually commit to God the way that he's called you to. You're out there chasing a life that he has in his hand ready to put in your lap. Stop being so afraid of committing to God because that's the only way. You guys, it is the only way that you're going to get the life that you want. But we resent God and we want to be independent and we're distracted and we're afraid, and so we don't commit. So what do we do with that then? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to compare the costs with the benefits. The pros and cons list, whenever you're comparing a life committed to God and one not committed to God, the pros and cons list is ridiculous looking because it's when you're committed to God, what he's able to do, what he's able to bless you with, the kind of family that you can have, the kind of children that you can grow up in, the kind of environment they have, the brothers and sisters in Christ that they'll be able to look towards, the kind of purpose that they have, the kind of success that they're going to find in life, the impact that you're going to have on other friends, other family members, the ministries that you get to be a part of, the joy that you get to experience far outweighs the choice of being uncommitted to Christ. You know, my friends who have walked away from God and who don't want anything to do with him, have a relationship with him, they think that they're going to go find this better life. And I look at their lives and I see him on social media and I'm like, wow, what a boneheaded decision you made. You're still chasing what, you, what you're never going to get. And you've got to sit down and you've got to compare the cost with the benefits You've got to think about eternity. You've got to think about your relationship with God and where it's going to sit you for all of eternity. 
You've got to think about the impact that either committing to God or not committing to him has on other people because it, only, it doesn't only affect you. It affects people you love and care for. It affects kids who are looking up for you. It affects the people in your classes that you were supposed to be that person from Acts 17 for to where God runs you into two people. He plans the times and the places where people are going to be and where they can meet so that they could perhaps reach out to God and find him. And you're abandoning the ability to help those people when you choose not to be committed to Christ. That's one of the, that is one of the most horrific costs of not being committed to him. It's time that some of you count the cost again. I know you did it once, but do it again. What is this going to cost you? What, is, what, is, what does a life with God look like? What's the payout for it? It's so much better. But some of you need to make a decision. You're straggling along. You're dragging everybody down around you. You need to make a decision to commit to Christ. To be what you promised you would be when you came up out of that water, raised to a new life, is what it tells us, right? Did you come up with a new life? Compare the cost of the benefits, and then finally, trust God to help you keep that commitment. He wants to help you keep the commitment you made to him. Psalm 37, 5 again, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work within you, giving you both the will and the power to achieve his purpose. The Bible says when you're baptized into Christ that things happen, right? It says, it says that when you're baptized into Christ that you are, that you are given the Spirit, that's what it says. Go look it up yourself. Read it for yourself. It's what it clearly teaches. Multiple times you see this taking place. The Spirit of God was put into you, in with, within you because God knows you can't do this on your own. The Spirit of God was put in you to, be, to, to help you work through these issues, to help you fight through the distractions, to help you realize you can't do it on your own and there's no reason to be independent to help you not become bitter with God when you've made a dumb decision. The Bible also says that when you're baptized into Christ, that you are added to a family. That family, God is working through people. The Bible, again, teaches that extremely clearly over and over and over again. The Bible very clearly says he puts you in a family for a purpose to help you. That's why the Bible tells us as brothers and sisters in Christ to hold each other accountable. Do you realize that? Because we're supposed to help each other keep the commitment we made. We're supposed to hold each other to that standard. But again, it's much easier for us to say, only God can judge me. Well, find that in the Bible, first of all, because it's not. But the Bible actually tells us to make right or righteous, correct judgments about each other, to hold each other accountable, and to help each other. It's not to put each other down. It's to benefit one another, to help you stay committed, help you stay out of the trouble and the things that drag you away and entice you and pull you away from God. That's why you're in a ministry. That's why you're a part of a church is we need each other. That's why when you see things in the Bible like God says, listen, if you have a problem with your brother or sister, stop praying to me at the altar and go fix that first because I don't want to hear you until you deal with what you've got going on there because that causes a problem between me and you because God put us here to help benefit one another, to help one another be committed. 
Some of you guys haven't been doing a very good job of helping each other stay committed. You cover for each other. You let each other get away with things that you have no business. You keep secrets for each other, right? You know, I have regrets from when I was in high school. Marlon, you got regrets from the way we, we, we let each other get away with stuff and our brothers and sisters in Christ? You think about Cameron, you got any regrets with Cameron? Our buddy Cameron's in prison right now, right? And I think some of that, now he makes his own choices. He's got free will just like we do. But I kind of wonder, man, if we would have helped each other more with the commitment we gave to Christ instead of covering for each other, maybe we'd be in a different situation. Maybe James wouldn't have been gone for 15 years. I don't know. But God, I know that God gave me this family to help one another. See, my commitment to Christ and, and remembering that drives me. It pushes me. It's been doing it for 20. This January is my 25th year in campus ministry. It's crazy. This is 25 years in campus ministry. One of the things that pushes me in the, is the commitment that I made to Christ. But it's also understanding I made a commitment to you guys. I made a commitment to my wife, to my kids, to my family. I made a commitment to all those little kids. I made a commitment to you junior hires. I made a commitment to you high schoolers, to you campus kids, that I was going to be a man of God who would be committed to him in a way that would help you stay committed to God. Some of you guys have some decisions to make. Some of you, you need to go back and do the things you did at first again, like the Bible says. Get back to where you started at. Get in your word. Get vulnerable, get honest, confess to each other. Be humble enough to let your, your small group leaders and your brothers and sisters in Christ help you and help them as well. But this weekend, if you walk away from here without a deep commitment to God, without a commitment to take the things that you're learning and apply them to your life, you are screwing it up. And you're gonna hate the price that you have to pay for that someday. Don't be that person. God has incredibly powerful plans for every single person here, all of you. I don't care if this is the first thing that you've ever been to with us. I don't care if you've been to 500. He has great plans for your life. He has great plans for you to impact others. But if you aren't committed to him, he cannot fulfill those things that he wanted to use you to do because he gave you the choice of whether or not you're going to do it. What are you going to do with this weekend? What are you going to do about your commitment to Christ? That's what I want you to talk about tonight in your groups. Man, where, what, do I need, what do I need to recommit to? What am I going to get back to? Or what am I going to commit to for the first time that I should have when I, did, when I didn't do it the first time around? And be open and honest with each other. For some of you, you're like, I don't know what that is. If, you, if, you're, if you're brand new, be like, hey, let's study the Bible. Show me what it is I'm supposed to commit to. And start learning about what God has in store for your life because it is bigger and better and more powerful than you could ever dream, than you could ever imagine. That's how God takes some drunk, 
beachhead wrestler and puts him on a church plant. That's how God takes some kid who was always super insecure because his dad was never involved in his life and he thought baseball is where he got his worth and he puts him on another church plant. That's how God takes everybody in this room who has all the issues and all the problems and all the hurts and all the damage and all the brokenness that we have. And he says, but if you commit to me, commit your ways to me, I'll work. You do your part and he'll do his. Commit. Father in heaven, thank you for tonight, God, for uh, this weekend. God, for just being a God who loves us deeply enough that, God, even when we were screwed up, like Ryan was talking about, God, that you son. You sent people to us to help us. God, help us to remember the commitments that we've made to you, God, for those who have made them. God, help us to recommit, though, to you, God. Help the people who maybe have never made that commitment to say, all right, God, I want to do this. I want to figure this out. I want to be the man or woman you've designed us to be. God, I don't want to see any more, kid, any more kids, any church kids who grew up in the church. God, I don't want them to be able to point it. Can I have a single person? I don't want them to be able to point to a single person in this church, God, and say, man, I thought they were committed. I thought they loved God. I thought they loved me. God, but they'll be able to look at the men and women in this room, and they'll have a whole bunch of Danny Langfords to look at. Those people who they know, no matter what, that person is not walking away. That person is not leaving God. They're not breaking their commitment, and they're not leaving me or breaking my com their commitments to me, God. And that because of that, lives and campuses and high schools and junior highs and church plants, God, will just explode all over the place in a way that changes everything. God, help tonight be the night that the world is, is impacted and it begins being turned upside down for you again because of the commitments that the people in this room make, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.